0: This is the story of a man and a woman who lived in a beautiful garden. It's the story of a snake who tricked mankind for thousands of years. It's the story of God and his promises. It's the story of one who's coming back to crush the head of the snake. And to give us that home we once had might have forgotten, lost, the biggest story. If I were to tell you that a bad marriage is dangerous, and then ask you to give me reasons why, I am sure that we could come up with many different reasons why bad marriages are dangerous. But if I warned you that a good marriage can be dangerous, what would you think? You'd probably think to yourself, that doesn't quite sound right. I mean, how can two people who are in love and committed to each other, how can that be dangerous? Well, we're going to find out this weekend together. We're going to answer that question and even more questions when it comes to this wonderful, beautiful, challenging, and sometimes difficult relationship called marriage. We're in the last episode of season one called Beginnings where we've been looking at God's big story. We've been talking about the fact that this Bible is not just a compendium of different little stories thrown together. That Actually, this is one big story and it tells us why God created this world. It talks about how you and I were created by God and then it tells us how we mess things up, how God's come to rescue us and how someday God is going to remake everything, including you and me. And if we can understand the essence, the basics of this big story, it answers an awful lot of questions that you might have and that people around us certainly raise when it comes to God and life and eternity and why everything is wrong. You'll discover as we move through this uh, big story together that by the time we finish it in July, you're gonna have a pretty good grip on God's word. But as we end season one, we're reminded of God's word when he created everything. He looked at it and he said, it is good. And God even said that marriage was good. Did you know that God invented marriage? It is so special to him. Let's read about that very first wedding, Genesis chapter two, beginning at verse 18. Says Then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I'm going to make a helper who is just right for him. So the Lord God formed from the ground all of the wild animals and all the birds of the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would call them, and the man chose a name for each one. He gave names to all the livestock, all the birds, the sky, and all of the wild animals. But still, there was no helper just right for him. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a very deep sleep. While the man slept, the Lord God took out one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib and brought her to the man. At last, the man exclaimed, this one is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She will be called woman because she was taken from man. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Now the man and his wife were both naked, but they felt no shame. You know, marriage matters so much to God. It is so sacred and so important to Him. When I read this passage of Scripture, it reminds me a little bit of when my daughter got married and I walked her down the aisle. That was such a precious time. You know, here I was thinking about this little girl that I used to hold in my arms, and now she's this beautiful young woman. And I'm bringing her down, and I'm presenting her to this man, and they're going to live the rest of their lives together. It was a proud and joyful moment in my heart. And I think about God. I think about God in the garden, bringing down the aisle, so to speak. Eve, who he has created from the rib that he took out of Adam. And he's just filled with such pride and such joy. He has poured his creative power, his love, and his joy into this woman. And he brings this this daughter to this son. And I just think God was so pleased. And God's intention was that his creation would experience this over and over and over again, this sense of a holy and sacred union as Adam and Eve would procreate and would have children and they would have children all the way down. But as you and I know, the story got kind of messed up. Because it got messed up, it's kind of messed marriages up as well. And in fact, if you think about this, because marriage is so important to God, there's been an attack on marriage throughout all of history, even in biblical times to this very day. You know, marriage has become something rather cheap in our day, almost like a contract. In fact, uh, the other day, I was driving through a a town in a different state, and there was this little shack set up, and it was kind of like, get your divorce here, quick turnaround. And I just thought to myself, myself, it's so sad to think that that's what marriage has come down to for many people. Or, you know, marriage has also been altered and kind of twisted. No longer is marriage seen, uh, seen as something between a man and a woman, but, you know, from biblical times on, it can be with you know many partners, polygamy, or in our modern day, you know, men marry men, women marry women, and all of that, all of that goes against God's design for marriage. But you know, there's something else that's happened in our culture, and it's it's happening with with more um, regularity than ever before. And that is the number of couples who are choosing to cohabitate rather than to get married. That means that they're enjoying all the benefits of marriage without the commitment. And what's interesting is if you were to poll the United States and ask Americans how they feel about that, well, Pew Research tells us like 69% of Americans are in favor. They're okay with cohabitation. I think it's something like 16% are okay with it as long as it leads to marriage and about 14% don't think it's ever right. You know, it doesn't matter what society says about marriage. What matters is what God says about marriage. And so the big question is, how do we go about uh, protecting our marriages from the dangers that are all around us? Now, I know that as I share this message, there are some of you who are listening to me who are single. And you're wondering, well, how does this apply to me? I want you to know I haven't left you out. First of all, if you're single and thinking about the possibility you might get married someday. This is just great wisdom from God's word, how to prepare yourself and to find that right person. If you're single and you're thinking, no, I don't think I'm ever going to get married. That's just not, you know, the calling on my life. Now, this shows you how to pray for the married people that you know. And a lot of these principles you can apply broadly to any kind of relationship. So let's get started because I think one of the very first principles that comes to my mind when I look at this text It's just really important as married couples that we see each other as God's gift. How do you see your spouse? Do you see your spouse as God's gift to you? You know, I want to help you do better at that. I want to help myself do better at that. So I've got a couple of challenges for you. I would like to challenge you every morning before you get out of the bed to just thank your Heavenly Father in your mind, your heart, or out loud if you want. Just thank him for the gift of your spouse. And every night before you you go to sleep, pray to your Heavenly Father and thank your Heavenly Father, again, for the gift of your spouse. And then here it is. Sometime that day, preferably in person, not by text or email, that's allowable once in a while, I guess. But just look them in the eyes and just say, you know something, you are God's gift to me. That's how I see my wife, literally. I really do. And yet, I don't tell her enough. But she is. She's God's gift to me, and I'm so thankful for her. Now, I know some of you are listening to me right now, and maybe you're going through a rough patch in your marriage, and you're thinking to yourself, he or she feels more like a thorn in my side (laughs) than a gift to me. Well, listen carefully. I want you to know, all right, that we want to help you if you're struggling in your marriage. And we've got this great uh, marriage ministry. It's it's national, it's it's very powerful, called Reengage. In fact, right now we've got 60 couples going through it. It's a 16 week program and the next one is in the fall. And I would encourage you to go to our website, follow this link and get signed up for next fall. And some of you are thinking, I don't know if my marriage will make it to next fall then contact us here at the church, our pastoral care department, and we'll see what we can do to help you, provide resources for you, people you can talk to, ministries you could be a part of that could begin to heal maybe some of that hurt that you're experiencing in your marriage relationship. But back to the garden again, all right, and talking about the importance of marriage. When, When Eve shows up and Adam sees her, Adam actually rejoices. He is so excited. He says, at last, literally, the New Living Translation gets it right in the Hebrew. At last, here she is. And it's like he named all the animals and realized none of them was a suitable partner for him. But when he saw Eve, it was like, she's the one. Tim Keller uh, puts it this way. It's a little quote. He says, by discovering you, in essence, what i was saying is, by discovering you, I have found out who I am. You're the one I've been waiting for. And by discovering you, I really know who I am. Now, I don't know if um, Tim mes- necessarily meant that quote the way I'm going to interpret it. But I look at that quote, and I think to myself, okay, so... You've really helped me understand who I am. Well, you know, marriage can bring out the best in you, which is always great, right? But I gotta be honest with you, sometimes marriage can also bring out the beast in you, okay? It can bring out some things in you that, well, be better off if they were never came out. Let me give you an example. So the other day, my wife, Marcia was working out in our basement. She was on the elliptical. We had remodeled part of the basement to make a nice little workout room. And she was watching the television while she was working out. I think it was something like Little House of the Prairie or some Hallmark movie. And uh, all of a sudden I heard her, uh, you know, kind of frustrated. And I went in and I said, is, is something wrong? Is the TV not working right? And she said, yeah, I keep saying that, that the app needs more memory. And so it's going to refresh the app again and just keeps starting over and over again. Can you help me? And I said, yeah, I can help you. So I went on the internet to try to figure out what was wrong and found out there was a simple solution. Just unplug it, wait for 30 seconds or so, plug it in, and then everything should be okay. Well, when uh, the, the basement area that we had remodeled for working out was done by the contractor, he actually create, created kind of a recess and he put, the, he put the television into the recess and built around it uh, these shelves and then uh, drawers and cupboards underneath of it and then he rotted the wires through the wall and then back out and around and back in uh, behind uh, the, the cupboard or the shelves to some receptacles. So I assumed that the plug was uh, somewhere there. And so I began taking things off the shelf, looking for it. And, and Marsha would say to me from the machine, uh, what are you doing? The plug's not there. And I'd put stuff back and I'd go to the next shelf. What are you doing? The plug's not there. And then I went underneath and opened up the cupboards and I start pulling stuff out and she goes, would you please stop, you're making a mess. I don't know what you're doing, the plug is not there. Have you ever watched The Incredible Hulk? Have you ever seen that moment, you know, when Bruce Banner's eyes get really big, right? And you know, uh uh-oh, here comes the Hulk smash, right? Well, that was starting to happen kind of in me, in my mind. And I began thinking to myself, things like, woman, hey, if." You know the plug isn't here. Why don't you tell me where it is? Why don't you get off that machine and come help me? Now, that's what I was thinking. And eventually, in frustration, is what I actually kind of said, and a few more other things that I said, and that just created a little bit of a tension in the workout basement. I eventually had to lift the TV off the shelf, and there was the plug. He'd set it even further into the recess, and even on an angle. I was so frustrated, finally got the thing back on there. Isn't it amazing how you can treat inanimate objects like they're people and threaten them and say nasty things to them? Well, I tell you what, when it was all said and done, I felt so ashamed. This is your pastor speaking. Listen, before all this had happened, I'd had my quiet time with God. And I'd been praying about having a Christ-like attitude. But instead of having a Christ-like attitude, It's like the devil came out of me, and I apologized to my Lord. I apologized to my dear wife. And then I was reminded to do something. You ready for this? I was reminded, because I was working on this message, I was reminded to praise and thank God for that opportunity. You say, what? Here's the principle. Praise and thank God for the challenges in your marriage. He's using them to conform you to his image. And I just said, God, you know, I, I guess I get prideful and I think I've got it down spiritually. Thank you for exposing this area in my life that I, I have to die to further, my impatience, my, you know, my my shortness sometimes in my relationships and help me, God, to overcome that. So yeah, marriage can bring out the best in you. It can also bring out the beast in you, but I'm sure a lot of you have great stories about how you're, Your spouse brings out the best in you. And, um, you know, I would say that's that's very true about my marriage as well. But we have our moments as you probably do as well. And that leads us then to this whole danger of a good marriage. You say, well, what is the danger of a good marriage? Well, the danger of a good marriage is that we can actually set our spouse up to be the person who gives us our sense of value and meaning and worth in our lives by what they say to us, by how they treat us, what they do for us. And that is called idolatry. So the danger of a good marriage is you can quickly fall into idolatry. You can put on your spouse an incredible weight that's awfully hard for them to bear because they're not perfect. And if, if for you to feel good about yourself, it depends on what your spouse says to you, how they treat you, how they look at you, what they do for you, eventually you're, you're gonna have problems in your marriage because nobody can keep living and being that way. Oftentimes when I um, am counseling and uh, doing premarital counseling, primarily, I don't do that much anymore. I'll say to a young couple, I'll say, hey, you know why do you why do you want to marry this person? Why do you love this person? And invariably they'll say things like, "Well, because he makes me feel so good," or "She makes me so happy," or "You know, he makes me laugh," or "Or you know, she's just fun to be with. I just feel so good when we're together." And I think to themselves, "Man, are they naive?" Now, don't get me wrong; those things are all wonderful benefits. But what do you do when that stops? See what I'm trying to say? What, you know, where do you go find your worth? Where do you go find your value in that moment? Tim Keller writes and he says, the danger in marriage is you will look to your spouse to give you the things only God can really give you. You will look to your spouse's love, your spouse's respect, your spouse's affirmation to give you meaning in life and to give you a foundation for your own sense of value. All of the things you should only be getting from God. Now, I'm not saying that as spouses, we shouldn't do those things for each other. But, you know, there are times in our lives when it's hard to be that for each other. And in those moments, if I allow that then to take away from my sense of value, my sense of worth, because it's based on what my spouse is saying about me or thinking about me, I'm in trouble. I can't let my spouse take the place of God. God is the one who must ultimately satisfy me. And that's what gives me then the strength to move through those rough rapids we sometimes experience in our marriage. I mean, think about this. I, I wrote down some, some questions. I, I thought, you know, what do you do? What if you do if your spouse starts being critical of you? They kind of shift in their mood for some reason. And, and now they start kind of picking on you and, and talking about what you're doing wrong all the time. What are you going to do if the only way you can survive is your spouse always has to tell you how great you are and how good you are? Or what are you going to do if your spouse begins to struggle with mental illness? If they, you know, suddenly are struggling with depression and they become an emotional sponge and and they need and they don't give? Or what do you do if your spouse has, you know, an injury or they're physically incapacitated or, you know, they change in terms of looks and what are you going to do if they had to look a certain way and be a certain way in order for you to be in love with them? What do you do if they can't provide like they used to provide for you? See, I've got to put my I've got to put my faith and my hope in God alone. I've got to trust God to bring me and give me those things. Because sometimes, you know, it's hard for my spouse or it's hard for me. And I don't want that then to crush my marriage. I don't want that to create then troubles for us. I want to be rock solid in my love relationship with God. You know, that's the key to building a great love relationship with your spouse, is you got to work twice as hard at keeping a strong and great love relationship with God. You know, I I say you got to work at it, and and the only work in it is to accept the fact that God loves you unconditionally. Is to sit there and let his love pour over you. And just realize that no matter what you say, no matter what you do, God is always going to love you. And to live in such security with that. And when you go through an insecure time in your marriage, it doesn't blow you away. It doesn't separate you. It doesn't move you apart from each other. Well, that brings me to one final principle I want to share with you about about building a strong marriage. And that is this. You have to be patient with each other in marriage, as God uses the differences in your lives to transform your life into the person, the couple he wants you to be. Now listen carefully, you've gotta be patient because God is placing that person in your life to bring some challenges to your life because God sometimes wants to use them kinda like a chisel in your life and my life to conform us to be the person he wants us to be. That's why marriage is so important to God. He uses it as one of his tools to conform us to the very image of Christ. You know, in Genesis 2, verse 18, it says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I'll make a helper who is just right for him. And that word helper in the Hebrew is actually a word that means a military reinforcement. So the regiment is stuck, right? They're under pressure and, and they can't get out. And then over the hill, right? Uh, over the hill comes the army, comes the reinforcement, and suddenly they're liberated, they're set free. God brings Eve to Adam, okay, as a reinforcement for his life because without her he is weak because remember he's missing a rib. And none of us are perfect, and all of us have struggles and weaknesses, and we need God to put other people in our lives to shore up our weaknesses. In our case, we're talking about marriage. But, you know, if you're single, it could be the friends that God brings into your life. Those other relationships that add value to you that you wouldn't have if it wasn't for those people in your life. And especially when we think about this whole issue of marriage. You see, uh, when it says in the passage of Scripture that, that God brought her as a helper to him, one of the ways of understanding that word is that is that God brought her to Adam as a like opposite. You say, what? Well, let me explain it this way. I've got some puzzle pieces here, okay? Now, these these puzzle pieces are, are not the same. They're, they're alike, okay, but they're not exactly the same. Yet, when you put them together, they fit really. I should do it this way so you can see it. They fit really nice if I can do that, all right? I'm not very good at puzzles. There we go, all right? Now you have a really nice, tight fit. And that's God's plan in marriage, okay? Is to bring two people that are opposites, but they are like, and to put them in union and relationship with each other, all right? So that there's a sense of wholeness or a sense of completion. But that process, and I guess one of the ways you could think about it, it's kind of like I, I say sometimes in wedding ceremonies to the husband to say, look, God has brought you your missing rib. The problem is sometimes, you know, it's painful to put that rib back in the side, right? It's painful to have that union. In fact, it says in the passage of Scripture that they become one flesh. You know, I used to read that passage of Scripture, and when I read about being one flesh, I thought to myself, well, that must be referring to the physical, the sexual union. It's not. The one flesh can be literally defined this way. It means you have two people who are coming to live in a very tight space. You ever thought about that? You sleep in the same bed, you eat at the same table, you live in the same house, you raise your kids together. Sometimes it's a really tight space and God wants it to be a tight space. I love this by Tim Keller, who by the way, has written a great book on marriage called The Meaning of Marriage. I encourage you to read it. But he says this, he says, as soon as you try to define the difference between male and female, it never quite fits. In marriage, into your life comes a person with a very radical and different view of you, of the world, a person of different gender, of equal power, equal resources, but incredibly different. And you're thrown into an incredibly tight, close relationship. And what do you do in that tight, close relationship? You butt heads sometimes, right? You butt heads. And God wants you to butt heads. You say what? Yeah, because God uses that head-butting to knock off the sharp pieces. Remember the Bible says those of you thinking, you know, those of you are single thing about friendships, you know, it says iron sharpens iron. Well, in marriage, it's it's melding into into oneness. And and I certainly have experienced that in my my own marriage life. I'll be married 44 years this coming May, and you know something's happened to me in the 44 years. I actually think more like my wife now than I did the day you know before I met her, and, and after I and soon after I met her, she's rubbed off on of me. I look at things differently, and I'm glad I do because the way I saw things and the way I see things is not always the right way to see it. So a lot of times you know, before I'll make a decision, and it can be like in a, in a split second, as Tim Keller says, I, I'll think, what would Marsha do? What would Marsha say? How would she handle this? And sometimes i will defer to how she would do it. What's happening? We're becoming one. We're becoming one. And the same thing is true, spiritually speaking, your relationship with Christ. You know, God has called us to oneness with himself. And part of that oneness sometimes is the Lord confronts us with things in our lives that that he wants us to give up and to let go of and to see things his way and to do things his way because it's the best thing for us. God has sent your spouse into your life because he wants to use them to conform you more and more to his image, to bring things into your life that you wouldn't otherwise have. Well, as we wrap up, I want to share with you a really fascinating quote Um, And and this this quote comes from a theologian by the name of Stanley Harawas. And I want you to listen to it carefully. He said, there's an assumption out there in the culture that there's someone just right for us to marry. And if we look closely enough, we will find that right person. He says, that's the consumer (laughs) mindset. This overlooks a crucial fact that when you get married, you always marry the wrong person. We never know who we marry, we just think that we do. Even if we first marry the right person, (laughs) just give it a while and he or she will change. For marriage being the enormous thing it is, means we're not the same person after we've entered it. And hopefully that's what you're experiencing in your marriage relationship. Hopefully that's what you see happening if, listen carefully, If Christ is the center of your marriage, and that's the bottom line, that's the key. You know, oftentimes I draw a triangle for couples, and I'll say, look at this triangle. If you put God at the top, you put the husband here, you put the wife here, how does your relationship get closer to each other? It gets closer the further you go up the triangle. In other words, the closer your relationship is to God, the closer your relationship is to each other. To have a healthy, good, thriving marriage comes down to being in a right relationship, not just with your spouse, but first with God. If any husband and any wife will yield themselves to the Lord, will decide in their will that they're going to do what God wants done, what is right, every marriage problem can be solved. So how's your marriage? How are you doing? How are you in terms of being surrendered to the Lord and yielded to Him in your life? If you'll make that your heart's prayer, if you'll make that your desire and your behavior, you're gonna have a good marriage. A marriage that's gonna last a really long time. Listen, I wanted to give you some practical tools after this message, so if you go to our website and look under our small group section, for our small group questions. You'll find several questions that are listed out there for those of you who are married and even those of you who are single, that will help you kind of drive this message a little deeper into your relationship. I hope you take advantage of that. Let me pray. God, thank you so much for your goodness to us. Thank you for marriage, the beautiful thing that it is. God, for those who are struggling and and are challenged in a marriage relationship right now, Lord, I just pray and ask that you would Give them a sense of hope and encouragement. And Father, for those of us who have, who have good and healthy marriages, Lord, help us not to, to take that for granted. And God, forgive us if we've put our spouse as like an idol in your place, looking to them to be what only you can be for us. We ask this all in Christ's name. Amen. Hey, listen, there's just one more thing I want to say to you. And that is, if you're in a relationship right now, a marriage relationship, and you're experiencing physical abuse, I want you to know that God does not expect you to stay there and put up with that. I urge you to get in a safe place and get help. And that would be true in any relationship where you're experiencing physical abuse. I hope that's not happening in your relationship. Stay strong.